Gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to episode 15 of the Middle-Aged Outlaws podcast. I'm Ross, I'm your host, and I'm here with my co-host Adam. Adam, how are you? Yeah, I'm okay, thanks. How are you? That's absolute bullshit. You've just told me that you're absolutely <laughs> gutted about Scotland getting beat last night. Yeah, I, I, I shouldn't have brought it up. Should have <laughs> left it in the past last <laughs> night. Should be just moving on and enjoying a little bit of WCW. But it... it, it it was a bit tough. Difficult to take, wasn't it? Yeah. But um, who, who's your tip for the Euros now that now that Scotland are out, obviously? I, I, I don't really know. I think Italy are generally the best team I've seen in terms of playing consistently well. Yeah, I feel like that. some some teams have had one good game. I feel like they've had kind of two and a half with reserves in one of the games. So probably Italy. What about my Dutch boys? They're exciting to watch. I'm not sure. I never feel like they're in control of a game, which yeah. is great for watching it. But um, they might they might come unstuck. It's gonna be interesting to see. There's been some good performances. France have got that amazing squad, but they're, um, they're they look a bit inconsistent, certainly against Hungary. Yeah. And that um, Portugal Germany game was someone else to watch. So. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting tournament. Yeah. So, on on to on to better things. Now that Croatia have ruined our lives for the foreseeable. <laughs> um, better things. WCW in February '98. That is that is our that is our topic today. We're, we're talking Super Bowl eight uh, and WCW. So um, yeah. I, I assume that you've been in 1998 this whole time. You've not like nipped out at all. <laughs> No, been stuck in nineteen ninety eight. Oh yeah. yeah, oh yeah, me, me too, definitely, me too. <laughs> I definitely, definitely didn't nip out and watch NXT or anything like that. Promise. <laughs> yeah, so so I uh, so I uh, I believe you. I'll choose to believe you. I won't look at anything that's uh, gone on the the channels or anything like that. Well, you don't have access to it in nineteen ninety eight. So WCW. Um, I'm going to be straight up off the bat and tell you that I absolutely loved all of this. No, that's yeah. that's not true at all. That's um, that's far too enthusiastic. I loved most of this, most okay. of the thunder, most of the pay per view, most of the following nights nitro. This was a lot of fun. How about you? Yeah, enjoyed it. Um, I think I don't know if it just was the show we watched the last time or what, but this this just felt a lot better. Um, there was a lot more things that interested me going on. I think, and I, I think you said you were the same. I think it was my first ever episode of Thunder that I've watched. Yep. I've seen a few nitros over the years, but this was my first Thunder. Enjoyed that. Thought it was a good pay per view. Um, like you indicated, nothing's perfect. There's some duds on there but generally pretty good yeah absolutely um, and, and like you said like you mentioned Thunder there so we just 
uh, shall we go for it and, and, and talk about the, the thunder that sets us up for the pay-per-view? Absolutely. So this is this was it as with everything at this time, and I'm sure it must have been for like all of '97, majority of '96 from when it started. Everything's about the NWO here. Yeah. Um, whether you think rightly or wrongly, if there's very few people on this roster of WCW which is absolutely stacked, there's very few of them. If they're not involved in an NWO angle, then they're not really I wouldn't say they're not involved but they're probably not that important yeah I think that's fair to say yeah absolutely I think um, you said stacked roster um, it does feel because obviously we're going WWE shows to WCW shows and you know WWE starting to bubble pretty nicely mm-hmm. um, but I think this has more star power um, you know there's there's so many names that are um you know, sort of iconic of the era, or maybe in some cases the era just before this. Yes. But they're they're household names. You know, you, you even if I think we've mentioned before, people who don't know wrestling know who Hulk Hogan is. But um, some of the other names you've got on here, like Savage, Sting, Luger. You know, there's there's just really big names throughout this. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's literally an embarrassment of riches, is especially if you were watching Nitro or Thunder, you flick over the the channel and you get like DOA versus the nation or something like that and it's yeah. they're they're just totally totally leagues apart as far as name recognition's concerned. Yeah. Um this thunder starts off in fairly controversial circumstances. We have a macho man, Randy Savage, who's already uh, sort of on the bad side of the NWO as far as Hogan and Nash are concerned. Um they you see him you kind of see him meeting up with Lex Luger outside, out the back of the WCW taping. Yeah. Um, and they're alluding to them having a conversation, the, the commentators, and they basically both just get beaten up by all of the NWO. Um, yeah. and, and that's the kind of recurring storyline that, that goes on throughout this episode of Thunder. Yeah. Um, and we'll, we'll jump back to what happens with that once we get to the end of Thunder yeah um, we get another Goldberg squash this time over Fit Finlay yeah he I, I remember Fit Finlay from like what must have been right at the end of his in-ring career uh, it's weird seeing him look quite young yeah it's a little fitter than, than what we're used to seeing him <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, so yeah we're, we're, we're still building up Goldberg here and what a good job they're doing of building them as a machine, a monster. Yeah. Um, we get another kind of. This is the. These are the kind of guys I'm talking about. As far as, if you're not in the NWO and you're not sticking out, you're not. You know, it's you're not really making waves, and you've got a psychosis versus Chavo Guerrero <laughs> match, which is forgettable. Um, but I suppose you need to have wrestling on your wrestling show at some point. So. Yeah. Um, we get that match there. Then we get. Another kind of boring Hogan promo, similar to the Shawn Michaels ones that we've had issues with on Raw. Yeah, yeah. I don't... don't, We talked about enjoying a lot of things that were going on in a lot of the shows. I think there's definitely more than one occasion where Hogan and Bischoff come out together and, I don't know, it doesn't really do it for me when it's the two of them and, yeah, this is mostly about Savage and... Uh, and then kind of about Sting uh, yeah, you, beyond that you wouldn't really know if you 
if he just caught this, you wouldn't be saying that this was the show before pay-per-view where he's fighting Sting for the title because it's very yeah. much centred on Macho Man. A little yeah. bit about Nick Patrick. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's quite odd. But, yeah, it does a job as far as Hogan selling himself, which is what what the business that he is in. Absolutely, yeah. Um, we got another couple of kind of loose matches. Scotty Riggs versus Booker T. Uh, Hooventude versus Billy Kidman. Um, and we start, or, or we continue to build the Jericho Hooventude Guerrera match that we're going to have at the pay-per-view, which is yep. going to be a mask versus title match. Jericho uh, comes in at the end of the match and tries to to take Hoovey's uh, mask off. Yep. Um, but he cleverly knew that this was going to happen and had two masks on. Clever Hoovey. Yeah, very clever. I was very <laughs> slightly concerned by the Hoovey juice that he had on his ass <laughs> of his tights. But um, we'll leave that one for another day. <laughs> um, I've got a wee trivia question for you here, Adam. Oh, no. We've got the Outsiders come out and yep. they are having a tag match against Mike Enos and Wayne Bloom. Who yep. who are Mike Enos and Wayne Bloom? I don't know. Nah. Did you recognise them or do you remember recognising them? I don't remember recognising them. I watched the match and I, yeah, I just thought, well, this is going to be a squash and then I thought it's actually about the Nash powerbomb storyline that they've got going on but no I, I, I've, I've clearly missed something pretty obvious here haven't I so so the match as far as the match is concerned it probably takes them both longer to get to the ring <laughs> and like you say it's, it's further in the powerbomb thing yeah. uh, Scott Hall does his survey says one more for the bad guys uh, one mm-hmm. more for the good guys uh, thing yeah. this, that's the Beverly Brothers is it? Mm-hmm. Oh man, I'm I'm disappointed in myself. I recognise one of them, so I googled it, and yeah, nobody getting spiked on their head in this match, which is shocking. <laughs> um, but yeah, like you say, you get Nash being arrested because heaven forbid he uses his finishing move. And what's it? What's yeah. our boy's name? JJ Dillon. Yeah, he'll be straight out there, charismaing the hell out of his promos. So they sort of reference as well that Hogan is paying the fines. Oh, did for, they? Uh, yeah, so they mentioned Nash. I can't. I feel like the amount of money he's being fined maybe jumps around a couple of times, but anyway. It does, eh? <laughs> it goes um, from 50 to 150 pretty quickly. <laughs> but they, they do mention that Hogan has apparently volunteered to pay these fines for Nash. What a guy. Yeah. See, all these bad things they say about Hollywood <laughs> Hulk Hogan. Um, we get some odd stuff about Bret Hart here and. Brian Adams having a long black coat on <laughs> and having an yeah. issue with him and and we get Flair helping him out to beat up some members like this is Ric Flair and Bret Hart and we're clearly setting them up to be involved in some sort of odd feud with Brian Adams Brian Adams is that right yeah, yeah. Crush yeah. Um, yep. and and Kurt Henning with obviously Kurt Henning's Kurt Henning but yeah that's a, a little weird. Um, yeah. But we've got Flair and Bret Hart obviously building some sort of mutual respect, shall we say. Yeah. Um, oddly, with that sort of transitions into the British Bulldog and Jim Neidhart having a tag match against Henning and Adams. Yep. <laughs> which 
is a little bit odd, um, but it doesn't really come to anything. Anyway. Yeah, I wasn't sure if um, uh, Bulldog and Anvil had been, was this them, maybe they'd been on a couple of TVs or something like that. Um, Because I assume, I think they maybe both asked for the release after what happened with Brett in WWE. Yeah, that's what happened, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, And so he's there, but they've not fully affiliated them yet. Um, Because they're obviously Brett... Anvil Bulldog. It's not like they're working as Heart Foundation, the three of them, but no. they've got they've got his back. It's that type of thing. Yeah. Okay. Um, we we build up the Benoit and DDP match. We're going to have at the pay per view by having them tag together. Classic, classic WWE tactic. Stick yeah. them together on Raw. Can they can they cooperate together <laughs> before their matchup? Um, taking on Raven and Perry Saturn. Yeah. Um, which again, like I say, is just kind of building that match, and the big, the big part of of all of this episode of Thunder we've we've built up to what what we're we supposed to be having here: Sting versus Macho Man. Yeah, so I think there's supposed to be a match: Sting v Savage. Um, but the I was wondering if you you know if if you're there if you've bought a ticket and you've been sold on this match <laughs> are you a little bit upset about the way this all goes down because I mean do we even see Sting I I mean you do but it's kind of ten seconds yeah um, whereas you were maybe expecting a an actual full match between these two sort of iconic stars yeah totally so so the NWO have done such a number on Randy Savage that they beat him down and two hours later almost <laughs> he's still out and they carry yeah. him to the ring like some uh, Nungus reference what potentially could look like that they're carrying him to the ring but he's got a sting mask on his face mm-hmm. um, and they lay him down in the middle of the ring and I think they invite Sting to come to the ring but you know like this is like WCW staple at the end of these shows where it's just all the NWO in the ring and it's just carnage and chaos yeah um, Sting does eventually I can't remember if he comes from the sky or if he just walks out do you uh, yeah I think it's from I think it is from the ceiling um, <laughs> and then he, he takes out the NWO members number games numbers game starts catching up with him which I mean like you say it is a a staple of their TV and their shows at this point. I think so many of them ended with this kind of situation. Uh, Luger comes out to make the save and, and, you know, even up the numbers a little bit. Savage is still a little bit awkwardly just laying Doesn't uh, move. flat out. Really yeah. impressive. <laughs> <laughs> and um, they, they sort of mention, you know, is, is Luger just here to help Sting or the sort of... Because uh, Savage and Luger are supposed to have this match um, at Super Brawl, they're referencing, are they in cahoots in mm-hmm. some way? Have they come up with some sort of agreement? So the the announcers make a point of saying, is he just here to help out his buddy Sting? Or, you know, did he want to protect Savage as well? Just to sort of put that idea in people's minds. So I'm going to jump ahead a little bit here, but isn't did you find it weird that that never really went anywhere? Yeah, I did. Um, and I don't know if it was sort of intentional planting a seed that they weren't going to do anything with or, I mean, everything you hear about the the shows, I think back then, you see the same in WWE now, a plan can change from one day to the next. Um, so maybe they, they had a plan and maybe they nixed it for whatever reason. Yeah, possibly, that's a good point. 
um, it, it, it was intriguing. And mm-hmm. I wondered if when we got to the Savage Luger match, if we were maybe just going to have a, a finger poke of doom um, mm-hmm. type of affair or, or somebody just lying down for someone or whatever. But yeah, yeah. it didn't go that way. Um, all in all, this this episode of Nitro was enjoyable. and uh, Thunder, sorry, was, was enjoyable and I was quite looking forward to watching the pay-per-view. Yeah, same for me. I think um, the... I've always been a savage guy, and I was, you know, finding it quite intriguing what was I've going on. I've always been a savage yeah. guy. It's a major flex. <laughs> <laughs> Should put that somewhere. I've always been a macho man guy. Um, no, macho. Yeah. Always yeah. been a macho guy. <laughs> and so I was thinking, you know, stop, stop disrespecting my guy, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it did make me intrigued to see, kind of, you know, what was coming next. I think as well. Um, I think we're similar in some of the the talents that intrigued us over the the years and over these shows and you know the thought of having a DDP and Chris Benoit I thought was quite quite uh, a good matchup, mm-hmm. good pairing. Mm-hmm. Um, I always like seeing Jericho. So there was a few things on the show that I thought, yeah, that's building something interesting, but it's all kind of overshadowed by the the NWO angle, which I'm not really complaining about in this instance because. It feels so big, and uh, you know you can see why it dominates the stories. Yeah, yeah, totally. So let's jump into Super Brawl Eight then, shall we? Um, yeah. February twenty second, nineteen ninety eight. We're in the Cow Palace in San Francisco, which sounds incredibly glamorous. Um, <laughs> and we are here with the Brain, Tony Schiavone, and Mike today. I, want to I think say. it is Mike Tenay. Yeah, it is Mike Tenay. Yeah. Um, and we kick off with the WCW World Television Championship. We've got a match between Booker T, the former champion, and Rick Martel, the current champion, who I believe must have won the title maybe on the Nitro previous. Yeah, I think so. Um, so the whole stipulation here is that whoever will win will go on to fight Perry Saturn. Um, they'll defend the title against Saturn in the next match um, someone from WCW must have seen something that you and I did not see Adam because uh, in the previous uh, WCW pay-per-view that we did sold out we were uh, yeah we weren't we were less than impressed with Rick Martell I would say would you, would you say that's fair yeah I think that's fair I, I, I remember liking his character in that he was you know this horrendous heel with you know his when he was the model and all that in WWF um, and you know he was just your sort of typical mid-card heel um, and he you know he had the look and all that he he was a sort of naturally annoying quality about him. <laughs> yeah, kind of arrogance. Yeah. That was the name and, uh, of his... Uh, his, his, his scent. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so that's what I wanted to say as well. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it feels like, to me, watching this, the, the, the world's massively passed him by and he's still there. A little um, bit, yeah. It kind of feels like he's out of time a little bit and yeah. struggling to fit in with a gimmick of some yeah. description. Yeah. Um, so the the plan was for Rick Martel to win this match against Booker T and then to beat Perry Saturn as well. Um, so someone somewhere is really wanting to put him over. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately for him, um, during a, a move, Booker hit him with a hip toss and he clattered his knee on, I think it was on the bottom rope, 
and uh, suffered a torn knee ligament as part of the match. So um, both him and Booker T managed to kind of get to the end of the match and uh, rework things as far as Booker T winning. Um, what did you think of this this match as an opener? Um, yeah, I, I didn't actually know until you mentioned to me the, the fact that this wasn't the way it was supposed to go down. I thought what they were actually doing was trying to make Booker look strong. Yeah, me, his belt back me and too, then, yeah. Yeah, um, but I think, you know, you, you have to admire the talents for, you know, being clear-headed enough to change things on the fly and uh, make sure that the crowd are going to get their two matches out of the situation. Um, I think it, it, I didn't find it a great match. I don't know if I'm just put off by Martel because I like Booker T and I always have um, I struggled to get into it a little bit I thought it was okay I thought um, you know Booker executed a few moves and <laughs> he, he has a few moves that look pretty good mm-hmm. um, and you know he, I think what what I'm used to seeing on WCW shows is something like with cruiserweights or something like that start the show to really get it off start to a fast, fast start yeah. yeah and it didn't feel like that um, so yeah a little bit underwhelming for me I felt like that as well And uh, however what I would say is, is the crowd are heavily into Booker T yeah um, is this this is a rematch of the previous pay-per-view isn't it it is yeah ah, yeah. and I, I remember thinking that the, the crowd were not they weren't they weren't taking yeah. what, what Martel was trying to give them as far as um, getting the crowd going and all that I feel like yeah. the crowd really liked Booker T mm-hmm. um, but I felt similar to you that it wasn't really massively engaging and I felt the same about uh, the Booker T Perry Saturn match which is what we get after this one yeah. uh, after Booker T hits what does he hit him with? Some sort of flying kick? Uh, Harlem sidekick? Harlem sidekick, nice Yeah. Martel comes off the ropes um, and, and Booker hits him with that but fair play to Martel for you know, like if he's suffered a torn knee ligament and he's still going mm-hmm. up on the second and top rope and jumping off of there, then fair play to him. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And then and Booker T and, and Perry Saturn have to have to put this match together on the fly, which again is in retrospect is really impressive. Yeah. And fair play to them. Unfortunately it just didn't really engage me too much at all. Yeah, I I was the same. Um and I I think because I I look at Booker T as being a bigger star than that level, you know, that level of opponent, that not necessarily that level of title, uh, because I know the the role of that title is basically, you know, you work every show type uh, thing, yeah. um, and I'm I'm fine with that. But I think uh, the the opposition he had weren't really grabbing me, um, and I I quite liked Perry Saturn back in the day, um, but not. I don't know. You, you had uh, a Moppy t-shirt, did you know? Ah, I couldn't find one. Couldn't get one. <laughs> I, I, I would have worn it with pride if I could have. Um, but yeah, he, he, I mean, here he's part of Raven's flock um, and that I can see how that would suit him, mm-hmm. that, that sort of character. Yep. Um, but yeah, it just didn't, same, same with you, it just didn't grab me. I'd said to you on text when I was watching this, why does Saturn keep going for submissions and pinfalls right next to the ropes? Because I think he does it about three different times. But yeah. but the fact that they're putting it together on the fly yeah. would explain that. And yeah, I definitely like at the time I was like, this is 
this is quite hard to watch actually. Mm-hmm. Um, looking back and, and knowing what they've had to do, fair play to them. Yeah. Um, I think it, you know, like if if you didn't know all that happened, I would say that this was a, a really good idea, especially to have Booker wrestling both matches and winning both matches, and it just piles on the kind of um, uh, the momentum behind him that mm-hmm. that his character sort of deserves to have. Yeah, because I think here he'd still be what a couple of years away from getting near or into the main event picture, but you can see the trajectory he's on because he's, you know, he's no longer in the tag team. He's uh, got a singles title, and yeah, you can sort of look at it as a mid card title. But as we mentioned before, it is the title that's pretty much defended on every show. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a good way for him to to get over. And he's still very much transitioning from being in the Harlem Heat. He's still got. Yeah aspects of uh, the tag team associated with them yeah. um, so this feels like a really good way to to, to push him yeah. um, next up was another match that I found that I struggled with um, Disco Inferno versus our boy La Parca <laughs> I was very high on La Parca in the previous pay per view that we watched him on sold out which he was involved in a eight-man tag team match, yep. and he just went berserk and smashed everybody with chairs, and, it was, and <laughs> did, did a crazy dance, and he was really quite entertaining. Um, here we've got him feuding with Disco Inferno over who can dance better. I think that's yeah. the kind of that. That was Mike Tinney did say. Well, he speculated that this could be a rivalry over dance steps, as they both like to strut their stuff. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's that's as good a reason as any to have a, a feud. Hey, listen, there's been much, much worse reasons for uh, for <laughs> matches in the past. So yeah, um, what do you think of this? I, I I noticed you know there were a few decent looking high spots and things like that. I didn't. I think the biggest issue I had with it is I just didn't really care when I was watching it. Yep. Um, Again, with not having a sort of, I don't know, a, a proper story behind them. Um, yeah, some decent moves, but yeah, I, I, I wasn't really engaged in it while I was watching it, to be honest. Um, I did think, I didn't know, because I've not seen a huge amount of uh, of Disco Inferno over the, the years. Um, it just looked like a, a stunner he used for the yeah. win. Yeah. Yeah, and it got a big pop as well. It's quite funny. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I wasn't sure if that was if he actually had that as a finisher move for a while, or if that was just a ah, we'll do this, see what sort of reaction we get. No, that was his finisher move. I can't remember what he called it, but aye, that was his finisher okay. move. Um, like to see Stone Cold in those white chinos, see how he could <laughs> move. Um, that yeah, there was like Laparka's entertaining, and he does all these sort of crazy moves off the you know bouncing off the ropes and. And yeah. jumps to the outside, and uh, right, right at the at the very start of the match, he just throws the chair at Disco Inferno. It's quite entertaining. <laughs> uh, we need a bit more of that, but um, yeah, I was the same as you. I struggle with this one. Yeah, and um, eventually, like you say, Disco Inferno hits his version of the stunner, and that's all she wrote for La Parca, Unfortunately, yeah, I think you can get away with. A, like a, a match without a storyline where it is something like those eight men tag matches where it's high paced, chaos mm-hmm. um, a one on one match kind of needs to lend itself to something 
yeah, in the background. Yeah, and it, it just didn't seem to have anything. I think it, it, the fact that they mentioned the thing about, you know, they both like to dance, I think that put me off more than, you know, that, that's not going to drag <laughs> me in. It's not intriguing you. Nah. No. <laughs> well, it's not the greatest of starts then, has it? I mean, I've, It's not great, and I'm thinking I enjoyed this show, so it must pick up pretty soon. Yeah. So, <laughs> so the next match, I think... Uh, so after this Disco Inferno La Parca match finishes, sorry, have I missed the uh, Charisma Vacuum JJ Dillon? JJ Dillon comes out after this match. Okay. It's between this and the next, so yeah, you're you're on track. So so we get JJ <laughs> Dillon being interviewed by Mean Gene. Uh, he's asking about the referee situation, um, and we bring out Kenny Powers. Oh. To- <laughs> To get interviewed, I'm starting to think he was based on Nick Patrick. <laughs> He's even got the accent. His accent's exactly like that as well. It's you, you can't not see it. We both saw it independently <laughs> of each other, and I, I think I messaged you saying, "Does he remind, Does remind you of you someone?" Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's wow. It's brilliant. <laughs> I now can't unsee it. So every time I see Nick Patrick, that's it. So yeah, so Kenny Powers, he he's moaning about his back pay, and uh, yeah. moaning about he'd been suspended. Had he, had he been suspended right after um, Starcade in, in November? Was it November? Yeah, I, th- I think that's right. Yeah, after um, he'd completely botched the the Hogan's yes. thing finish. Yeah, um, and then I believe he, he, I think he botched it the next night on Nitro as well. They tried to have a a rematch. Okay, um, and it got botched there as well. So that's why we—that's why we've ended up with Hogan's thing for this main event of this pay per view. Yeah. Um, so JJ has—I'm surprised he didn't get Roddy Piper to make this decision <laughs> for him. But um, they, they they reinstate Nick Patrick, Kenny Powers, and uh, he's like, "Yes, I'm, I can be the referee in the the main event." And JJ pulls the carpet out from underneath him and tells him that he won't be. Yeah, and and you're at this point in time you're being led to believe that Patrick's working with NWO and um, he really wants to referee the match so that he can screw Sting over and and win the title for Hogan. So we're we're setting the table for that later on. Yeah. Before all this happens, though, or or maybe just after, we get Tony Schiavone telling us that we're going to be going to be back in two with. What does he describe it as? It's like a special match or a, a bonus, or it, like it, it builds up as something. It's going to be you're going to be like, oh wow, Ric Flair versus Bret Hart or something like that. <laughs> something not advertised or something like that. So what we were yeah. originally supposed to have here was Louis Piccoli versus Larry Zbysko, uh, following on from Zbysko's match with Scott Hall at the previous pay per view. We'd continued. The storyline, I believe, would continue the storyline between the NWO and Zbysko. Yeah. And Scott Hall's uh, sort of young lackey, this um, <clears throat> Louis Piccoli that he had with him come out to the ring, he was going to be taking on Larry Legend. Unfortunately, Spicoli passed away, I think, a week uh, a week before this event. Yeah. Um, so that match was scrapped. Instead, we're treated to a rematch of a match we got on one of the Nitros in January, which was um, Brad Armstrong attempting to overcome the Armstrong curse uh, against Bill Goldberg. 
So, yeah, yeah we, we know what we're getting here, don't we? Yeah, um, it's got it's got squash match written all over it. Um, and to to be honest, I think he, I was surprised. I think he got to execute one <laughs> offensive move, he did. but it was totally no sold yep. by by Goldberg. He tried um, to do his Russian leg sweep thing, which I think was his finishing <laughs> move. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this went two minutes. <laughs> Two minutes twenty three seconds, and ironically, this was my favourite match on the card so far. Um, <laughs> like, I think I messaged you about this. Goldberg at one point put him in a pump pump handle slam sort of position and just let him go. He threw him yeah. up in the air and let him go. It was wild. I've never seen him do that before. Probably why? Maybe that was the first and last time. Yeah. Um, wouldn't it be like Goldberg to hurt someone in the ring? Surely. Controversial, but uh, <laughs> we're we're. I think I, again. I think I said that about when he on the episode of Thunder. We're building Goldberg in a yeah. really slow and really yeah sensible manner, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I mean he's he's going in there and he's destroying people, and they know. I mean, he's he's already pretty over with the crowd. They they can only have seen him a few times, and there's a reaction, you know, um, and. I think they mention he's on an undefeated run and yeah. they maybe say something like he may be unbeatable. Um so they're you know, they're trying to put him over, um despite the fact he's he's probably never wrestled a, a name, you know, or anyone with any credentials. But as you say, I think they're building him quite quite intelligently. You know, it's it's slow, it's um against jobbers, basically. Mm-hmm. Um but he's he's looking pretty emphatic when he when he wins. So yeah, it, it did the job it had to do. Um, I've no I've no issue with these not being great matches. I think they're serving the exact purpose that they need to. Yeah, it's it's really surprising. You know, like think about modern day that he would he would be right in the middle of this NWO versus WCW feud probably. Yeah. Um, or they'd be saying something like, "Could he be the man to?" Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm really impressed, and it's. I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes as well. Yep. Um, our next match is uh, an expected highlight, I would say. Yeah. Um, we've got our WCW Cruiserweight Champion Chris Jericho facing off against uh, Juventud Guerrera for in a, a title versus mask match. Um, this really did everything that I hoped it would do uh, as far as action was concerned how how did you enjoy it? Yeah I I enjoyed it and I was I was expecting to like you I think I thought I'll I'll enjoy this I I liked Guerrero coming out you know as if he's the big fan favourite or acting like he's a big fan favourite then I think it was a a pro Jericho sign that he walks over to and tears up Um, and uh, (laughs) All the yeah, while, is. is someone who's been a Jericho-holic or something? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I like all that stuff. Uh, and then all the while, Mike Tenay's, um telling us about the importance of the mask. Um, so in in Mexican wrestling, you you basically earn the right to wear a mask, um, and then from that point onwards, you're you're really never supposed to be without it. Yeah. So uh, this whole proposed unmasking was, was quite a big deal um, yeah and T- Tanae's really the only one that makes anything of it yeah they, they're um, underselling the whole thing here I think yeah they do and 
you would think if because apparently I, I'm sure I've heard somewhere on a, a podcast that he he had to be talked into this you know Juventud he he wasn't up for this really um, I think the view of Bischoff was I, I, I can't market someone when I can't see their face type thing Madness. you know um, yeah it's it, it's not really logical um, and I think for some it was seen as a bit ignorant to the traditions of Mexican and lucha wrestling um so yeah it's it, I, th I thought it was good to have someone on the panel that was trying to underline the importance of that but it doesn't really get across when the rest aren't really selling that at all Nah, nah and, and realistically we we talked about the thunder the thunder where jericho tries to pull off the mask mm -hmm. but you probably want some sort of impassioned promo about what it means to wear the mask yeah. for Hooventude, yeah. what it means to his family, and um, you know, like uh, he makes reference. I think he, he makes reference to his dad when he's about to take the mask off and says, "I love you" to the camera and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. We could probably have done with building it up a wee bit more, and and all that would have done was is add to the storyline because the action in the rings, like really, really entertaining. Yeah, I also enjoyed Jericho keeping the belt on. Like he's, <laughs> what's that? Know, it, it came across to me as he's so, I don't know, insecure that he he needs to be wearing it all the time. He can't he can't cope with not having it on. Yeah, and then um, he's, he's he's refusing to take it off to start the match, and the ref allows the match to start, and then he he takes a kick in the belt, which uh, which wins him, and then uh, sort of convinces him to take <laughs> it off. But I quite enjoyed that. I just thought this is it's it's weird, it's different, but I thought yeah, it's just adding a, another little kink to the the heel character that he's he's portraying here which which i enjoyed i've never seen anyone do that before no um which is saying something given the amount of wrestling that we've seen between us yeah um again like we've talked about this before but jericho seems to be operating without any sort of direction as far as his character is concerned and everything yeah. that he does is just getting himself over big time mm -hmm. um, um yeah I, I thought the the actual you know in match action was really good and probably as expected you know you've got some some really impressive moves from from Juventud Guerrera some uh, some uh, top rope moves that just look fantastic mm -hmm. um, they, they get to a point where was it was at 360 splashes that way he was, he was doing 450 450 I've undersold it a little bit <laughs> um, and he, he he thinks he's won the match but because uh, the three count goes but Jericho's hands on the rope um, so it just adds a a little bit of t tension, a little bit of emotion because the bell actually rings. Yes. Um, and then the ref's waving it off because he's seen the hand, um, and uh, they're they're sort of selling the the announcers are sort of selling the confusion from that situation. Yep. And Jericho basically uses the distraction to to take out Juventude's knee and then go on the attack. Um, yeah. From there on, some some nice counters. I just thought it was it was quite a good a pretty good wrestling match, telling a good story. Yeah, it was, and I'm just looking on Wikipedia here, and it's surprising to see that it only went 13 minutes because it felt like a longer match to me. Yeah, but yeah, not it in did. a not in a it dragged on kind of way, but in a there was a lot going on. Yeah, um, I liked that that once that had happened, and he hit him with a 450, like you said, and uh, he'd had his hand on the rope. I like that it wasn't then a quick roll up or anything like that. We then went mm -hmm. back in the action, and like you said. <clears throat> you have flashbacks to the, the Rey Mysterio assault where he, he went to town yeah. on his leg and I thought that's yeah. where we were going as well um, 
really good finish is something that I don't think I've seen or don't remember seeing um, the whole Juve uh, going for the Hurricane Rana and Jericho sort of trapping him in the line tamer I really yeah. liked that finish particularly given how effective the sort of manoeuvres had been for Guerrera during the match as well yeah um, so I probably definitely the best match on the card so far yep um, Jericho retains his title oh something we've not mentioned actually that probably needs to be mentioned when we're talking about Jericho's character um, at one point Juve knocks him out of the ring with something quite impressive and Jericho just lies down outside um, <laughs> yeah. and he's he's trying to get himself counted out and every now and again he's just going to lay prone on the floor and he'll, he'll have a quick look up to see <laughs> if the referee's still counting and the fans are eating it up and giving him abuse line on the floor and again another wee wrinkle to his character of being this kind of sneaky that dastardly cheeky little heel yeah that was cool <laughs> yeah um, so when he obviously he's retained his title and Juventud has to unmask and Jericho really sells that segment as well with uh, telling the crowd to look away if they're uh, queasy. <laughs> um, and uh, then rips the, the mask off because he feels like uh, Hoovenchud's taking too long to to unmask and do what he's, he's obliged to do. So yeah, just um, I, when I was watching it, I felt a little bit for Hoovenchud just knowing that he, he never wanted to do this. He, mm-hmm. he had no no interest in unmasking and things like that and uh, just how probably conflicted you maybe are about something like that um, so obviously it must be sold to you in a way that you know you do this we'll we'll do this with you and things like mm-hmm. that but I don't remember there being much of a payoff for him now that would be interesting to see when we go to the next month to see where he is and what he's doing yeah um, apparently you know he takes his mask off and then he's kind of got his hair over his face Mm-hmm. For a little while, he was apparently crying underneath right. his underneath his hair. Yeah, um, which like that's what we're saying. It, it feels kind of undersold. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, and just just on on Juventud Guerrera, am I right in saying did he was in WWE or WWF as well, wasn't he? Yeah. Did, um, did am I tell me this is wrong? <laughs> was he in a group called the Mexicos? Now, there definitely was a group with that name, but I can't remember for sure who was in it. I'm going to look. He may well have been. Because I want to say that they came out in, like... This is ridiculous. I want to yeah. say that they came out in, like, um, like grass cutter, lawnmower type things. Yep, they did. Is that true? Yep, that's definitely real. <laughs> that's absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, super crazy Hooventud and Psychosis. The okay. Mexicals. Yeah. They interrupted a match between Chavo Guerrero and Paul London by riding to the ring on lawnmowers and attacking. Yeah. Jesus Christ. That's that's not great. That's, <laughs> that's awful. That's 2005. Yeah. What are we doing, Vince? Yeah. Dearie me. That's almost like calling someone that everybody's heard of from NXT UK, Dewdrop or whatever it is that they're. Yeah. Anyway. Poor Hoovy, an incredible in-ring wrestler, that's for sure. And a very handsome young man as well. Yeah. Dare say so. <laughs> so, that was a great match, and, and like we said, the highlight so far. Yep. And from the sublime, Adam, 
to the ridiculous. We get yeah. British Bulldog making his pay-per-view debut in WCW. Um, do you know? Do you know what? In, what interest? Well, I mean, this is this is obviously what I was thinking about during this six minutes of hell. But I was I was wondering how he's able to be called the British Bulldog in WCW, but other guys have to go as, you know, Brian Adams or Scott Hall or whatever. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure. I mean, that would suggest he owned the trademark mm. for the name. Um, which is pretty pretty rare, um, but I suppose when I think about it, if he and uh, Dynamite Kid were the British Bulldogs before they went to WWE, he might have trademarked it uh, maybe. when he wasn't even in the company. Because um, I'm sure they, I know they were in Stampede. Um, and I, I'm not a hundred percent sure if they went by the name British Bulldogs there, but yeah. If he's taken the name, the WWE mustn't have owned the rights. I just don't think they would have allowed it. Yeah, because we get the music. He's got the whole music. He's got the whole gimmick with yeah. the the the, um, the the tights and the the flag and all that. Mm-hmm. I'm fairly sure. I'm sure if Vince McMahon could trademark the the uh, the UK flag, then he would. <laughs> uh, the Union Jack. But anyway, we get just describe this match for us, Adam. Okay, so I can talk you through my notes, right? <laughs> because what I've written is physical match between the two. They're both very limited, McMichael in particular. Uh, and then, for some reason, I go straight to Bulldog wins via armbar. Although McMichael didn't tap out, he's annoyed the match ended. He's raging. Michael, McMichael throws down, pushes down the ref and storms out. Um I didn't obviously see an awful lot in the match to put in my notes based on that. Um, <laughs> That's basically it, though. <laughs> I definitely thought that they were both pretty limited. Yeah. So Bulldog versus Mongo McMichaels. Is it Mongo or Moon? Moon Mo- I think it's Mongo, uh, it's, isn't it's it? Mo- it's Mongo, yeah. I feel really uncomfortable both saying <laughs> that and writing it down. <laughs> uh, Steve McMichaels, I understand, went into this match with a broken... I think a broken wrist um, okay. and they used this match as a way of sort of writing him off I mean WCW didn't have to do that for us you could have just <laughs> sent him away to get his, his wrist sorted out um, but at some yeah. point they both end up outside the ring McMichael goes to punch the British Bulldog Bulldog moves and uh, Mongo punches the, the ring and and Bulldog uses this to submit him. It's absolute garbage. Yeah. Thankfully, it's six minutes of absolute garbage. So, yeah. Um, yeah, just take a bunch Exactly. Shame yeah. for the British Bulldog. I think, I think as a kid, yeah, he was this larger than life character to us. Yeah. Um, I mean, you, you have memories like, you know, the, was it, what SummerSlam was it? 92. Two, yeah. Um, with, with him and Brett. And he was, he, he always seemed, like you said, larger than life. I mean, he was as big or as broad as anyone. Um, and I then sort of went back and saw some of the earlier stuff, the tag stuff, and they were brilliant. You know, he and the Dynamite Kid were a brilliant team. But I think even, well, certainly before this stage, I, I think he's, 
he's, he's probably been struggling for a while because mm-hmm. um, I think he's he's in and out of the companies a bit you know I think to be honest I can't see that when he asked for his release off the back of the Brett situation <laughs> I very much doubt that Vince was like no oh, keep him gosh. do anything you can <laughs> um, I think he was probably pretty pretty comfortable letting him go um, I think yeah, by he, this point he probably had um, well known issues as far as drugs were concerned yeah I, I quite liked him in the uh, the, the Heart Foundation stable mm-hmm. when they put the four of them together because I felt like, you know, you had Brett as the leader, you had Owen as this, you know, really good worker who who was entertaining as hell and all that and then the sort of two powerhouse guys and then Pillman. Um, and that really worked as a faction but when he's out there on his own it doesn't do anything for me anymore. Nah. Nah, sorry Bulldog. And please keep Steve McMichael away from <laughs> anything. Yeah. No more. Anyway, we move on to something fairly awesome after this. So we've got our singles match for the United States Heavyweight Championship. We've got DDP, who is the current champion, taking on Chris Benoit. Yep. Um, this, to me, was probably the best match on the card. Yeah, really enjoyed it. Um yeah. I think it was one, you know, we, we, I think at the end of the last podcast, we sort of looked ahead at the card once we were, I think once we'd stopped recording and I thought this one leapt out as one that I would enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, I could never remember the timeline for DDP from when he, I know he's not near main event picture yet here, um, but he, he certainly seems to be making some kind of a breakthrough mm-hmm. and he's having good matches against good opponents this is for the US heavyweight title they put a real big onus on the fact that the two of them have a lot of respect for each other um, and they want this to be just between them Uh, they've obviously had their issues with the flock Mm -hmm. um, and they they want basically they just want a wrestling match between the two and uh, I like the story it tells in the ring because it starts that way and then it breaks down a little bit and becomes more of a brawl it's a bit dirty yep yep which is it's good and Pretty. I always think that style is pretty logical storytelling. Mm-hmm. Uh, at some point, somebody's going to do something that irritates the other. Um, yeah, I, I thought thought it was a really good match. I think we always know what we'll get, what we'll get when we've got Benoit. I think um, previous yeah. pay per view he wrestled Raven, and we were both looking forward to that one as well. Yeah, probably a bit of a clash of styles as far as Benoit and Raven are concerned, but it worked. Yeah. Um, here, I was really, really pleasantly surprised by DDP. Um, he's a big guy, and he's mm-hmm. moving. He's moving like a cruiserweight at times. Yeah. Um, similarly, Benoit's picking him up and throwing him about like he's a cruiserweight. Mm-hmm. Really, really impressed with the way that they sort of gelled in the ring uh, with yeah. the moves that they were um, carrying out. It's really, really impressive. Uh, yeah. If you get the chance to watch any match on this card, I would encourage people to watch this one definitely. Yeah. The the announcers are also selling the fact that one of them has to avoid getting caught in the uh, the diamond cutter yep. and the other has to avoid getting caught in the crossface mm-hmm. um, and it that, that just applies you know it, it provides all kind of logic um, and the sort of knowledge that either can take the other out with their finisher or it's almost sold as you can take anyone out with one of these finishers um, yeah. so I thought that, that that was a good layer to the story as well yeah really big um, sort of RKO uh, type thing that's going on with the diamond cutter and you can see where a yeah. lot of that's come from 
Um, this, is obviously, this is obviously been the sort of birth of that for DDP. Both guys are heavily over, but it never yeah. feels like a sort of face versus face match where it's just a bit... Um, doesn't really do it for you. Yeah. Um, this feels like two tough guys, like you said, they've, they've got that respect between each other and they're going at it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really good. Yeah. Um, in the end, it's the, the diamond cutter that prevails. Yeah. DDP hits him with it and you get one, two, three. Um, I don't believe there's any sort of shenanigans at all. No, um, I think he, he leaves through the crowd after That's right. it. That's his gimmick, then, though. Yeah, and uh, it's... It's, I always think it's a pretty cool visual because um, the the crowd I think are are pretty well behind him by this point. I I don't know all the ins and outs of the stories with him, but I think it it took him quite a while to be you know accepted as a you know genuine wrestler. Mm-hmm. You know, it's I think he was seen by a lot of the locker room as uh, Bischoff's friend, mm-hmm. which I think he was. I think they they had contacts before he. He really established himself in the the wrestling game, so I think it took him a little while to get the the respect. But you can tell it's it's there now, and he's he's growing and being built. I don't ever like this is this is all new to me as far as DDP's concerned. I don't really ever remember watching him on WCW at all, right. um, and obviously the stuff to do with the invasion and the Undertaker's wife stalker and all that sort of stuff, yeah. um, and then moving on to his kind of um, like tapping into his, his real life persona, the kind of positive mm-hmm. uh, power of positivity sort of character that he was doing, like all of that pales in comparison to this. Yeah, he's just this charismatic sort of badass. That's uh-huh. brilliant. Yeah, he's not. Um, he won't be there in the the year we cover, but he does um, end up in you know title picture and angles with Hogan and all that. Right. But you can you can see. How from what he is here, you can see how he gets there. Yeah, absolutely. Because um, he's 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 building as it goes. I think he had quite a a, few, a year or so after this. Maybe he had quite a big program with Savage, and there's a famous story of um, I think Savage won a whole host of the matches between the two, and then um, DDP had said, you know, I think before, I think it was before a pay per view. What what do you want to do tonight? And Savage told him, I, th- I think it's time for me to look at the lights and take the diamond cutter. So uh, he always praised Savage because he felt like that was the point where he, he moved up a level. Oh, um, that. Yeah. And it's, it's simple to say, but I suppose the egos will play a part. But Savage doesn't need to beat DDP, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's good that he did that. But yeah, I think I think we're probably a year away or so away from, from that build here. Great. Again, it'd be interesting to watch his climb. As far yeah. as the year goes on, just um, circling back to Benoit, this like really underlined to me just how, how just, I think as far as what we've watched so far, and I know we're only in February, but I think he's probably the best in in ring performer that we've seen. Yeah. Um, between WWF and WCW at this point, he's just he's just on another level as far as actual wrestling's concerned. Yeah, and it's it's good that there's a, a role for that because you know so much of it is NWO dominated, but you need these guys that are having really solid matches as well. Um, and you mentioned earlier some that you don't really care about, but 
a match between these two you do care about yeah. um, and it it, it's, it was one of the standout matches on the card and um, I would think you're right as we go through the year we'll probably find a few Benoit ones being standout matches on the card yeah no, no doubt at all um, ok our next matchup was the aforementioned Lex Luger versus Macho Man Randy Savage match um, which we'd kind of been fed breadcrumbs that they might be in cahoots um, and yeah this was a little bit odd for me it's quite a short match yeah. uh, It's a non- we're, we're being told a lot by the commentary team that it's a non-disqualification match mm-hmm. um, Luger's got the the bandages on the ribs I mean I mean how many rolls of bandages he got on those <laughs> ribs <laughs> yeah hey he might as well have painted a target on them if it was a, you know, a, a, if if that was a real contest, uh, that wouldn't be wise to, to sell it quite that much. But yeah, I think he just needed to make sure people knew that, you know, if you go for the ribs, you're probably going to have some success against them here. Um, yeah, and, and he sells it, he tries to, to press Savage right at the start and drops him because he starts feigning on the ribs, so... He's yeah. not forgotten that he is supposed to be hurt, which is impressive for Luger. Um Something a little weird with this match as far as seeing Luger, Savage and Elizabeth yeah. all together in a match given what's happened between, um, obviously, the, the sort of couple of, of Randy Savage and Elizabeth but also what we know happened between Elizabeth and Lex Luger and the, yeah. um, what has been portrayed as the kind of negative impact he had on her life as far as what happened when she died and mm-hmm. um, drugs and all that sort of stuff so it, a little bit odd for that point of view seeing them all together yeah I don't know what the timeline would be I mean I'm absolutely sure Savage and Elizabeth are not together by this oh, stage really? in, in real yeah um, and I, I'm not sure if she would be with Luger at this stage it might be a little bit early for that to have happened right. um, but I think when she was brought into WCW they they weren't together anymore and they just thought um, I think Bischoff wanted to to see her as a heel Mm -hmm. because you know even you know she she did some things that influenced matches in the WWF days but she was never really a heel no you know she would uh, I think in in this she actually does she rake uh, Luger's eyes or something like that yeah he's Um, he's got Savage up in the going for the torture rack I think or he's yeah. at least trying to and she comes in the ring and, and rakes mm-hmm. his eyes like you say so she used to do like distractions and things like that but you didn't really see her physically getting involved in, in anything so uh, apparently Bischoff thought that she would be good in a role like that I think she is good at it to be fair yeah and I suppose the first couple of times you see it you'll be really surprised by it she'll be like not Elizabeth no <laughs> No, she but wouldn't do that. Well, no. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think um, again from from other podcasts, it sounds like that that was part of the idea of bringing her in was to, to have her a little bit more of a heel. And um, I think she, you know, she she had the ability to do it. I think she I find it hard to I don't know differentiate between what she was here and what she was previously but she she does make sure you know that she's now willing to to do you know extra steps to make sure her guy wins the match and yeah. things like that yeah um as far as this match and the action is concerned there's no much action to really comment on um yeah. things it, uh, turn into shenanigans and and chaos and nwo carnage in a hurry 
Um, we have the likes of Hogan and all the NWO reserves coming down. Um, <laughs> Vincent and uh, who else did we have coming out here? The uh, Bagwell, Conan. Yeah, yeah all the kind yeah, of... Very, very much the, the B squad. But, the, uh, the cup, the cup squad. If Arsene Wenger was in charge of NWO, yeah. these guys would be playing in the League Cup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, the I think everyone would have expected some sort of NWO interference mm-hmm. in this match. But um, what, what they're going to do as, you know, to further the stories is um, Hogan actually stops the NWO from saving Savage while Luger's got him in the, the torture rack. Mm-hmm, that's right. Um, and you've got Hogan shouting out that he's, he's glad Savage got beat um, and the the implication from all this, although it'll further a bit more the next day, is uh, that Hogan just, he's done with Savage, Savage is out um, and uh, he's, as I mentioned earlier, he was always a big favourite of mine regardless of whether he was playing babyface or heel um, and I'd, I always enjoyed, I think they, they mentioned, they, they used the word lunatic a few mm. times, like Savage is the lunatic of the uh, NWO, um, and I think he's even referred to as he is a lunatic, but he's our lunatic and mm. things like that. Um, I just always feel like he brings a, a different kind of energy to, to things. So, in a way, I'm I'm quite glad with the way the story's going here because it's very easy for someone who's not Hogan, Nash, Hall to get lost in the NWO mix. Mm-hmm. Um, and I quite like the thought of Savage being separated from that. Yeah. Yeah, like you were saying, you like him whether he's he's face or heel, but he's kind of sitting on the fence here as far as where he is in relation to NWO, but also in yeah. relation to the the faces in WCW, um, and I think it's the perfect place for Macho Man to sit um, with this sort of like you just you says lunatic there. Um, it's the perfect place for him to sit with that persona. Yeah, um, I was a little confused about why this match ended. Um, I wasn't sure if the referee like it, they, like I said they, they make a big deal of saying this is a non-DQ match I wasn't yeah. sure if it was um, if it was finished because of a disqualification but I think we're supposed to think that Savage uh, verbally quit is that right? Yeah, yeah I think so um, yeah I had to sort of re-look at that one because I was like it's no DQ so um, I, I, I thought either he's quit in the torture rack or the refs kind of waved the whole thing off mm-hmm. um, so I wasn't sure exactly which way it had gone from that a little bit out of character for Savage to quit yeah but either way yeah yeah. they're, they're really putting over the torture rack aren't they like is yeah. this like superior finishing move yeah it's not one because again having been more of a WWF guy back in the the, the old days my memory was of um, like he had some forearm move, yeah, um, yeah. and the the story was he had a metal plate in his forearm mm. and it was just knocking people out. Um, but he also used to be able to body slam, very bit like body slam Joe Kazuna and things like that. Um, I don't really remember him using the torture rack in WWF. Nah, he would have struggled to get Yokozuna up there. To be fair, yeah, yeah, that's fair. Might have, um, might have struggled. But I, th- I think I think he does hit Savage with the forearm and they make a big deal of it, but then Savage right. gets up. And I remember thinking, well, I used to use that to knock out Yokozuna. Like, <laughs> you could probably see Savage having a pretty hard head, to be fair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, next match, 
we've been building up to uh, for a while. We've got the tag team champions, the Steiner brothers, with Billion Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, going up against the Outsiders, Nash and Hall, with Dusty Rhodes. Um, this, I don't know about you, but this, with with the managers and the two kind of big uh, big tag teams, this had a, like, a kind of big match feel to it for me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I said to you previously, I think, I, in a way I wished when I watched this I didn't know what was going to happen. Because mm-hmm. um, they've, they've talked and they've shown you the story of the issues between... Uh, Scott and Rick Steiner um, as they've been going through matches and other shows the Scott um, his sort of ego getting in the way a lot of the time he's wrestling tag matches on his own refusing to tag his brother in and then they they sort of play up the story that everything's okay they've hashed things out um, they've got their belts back they're uh, they're together they're um, they're going to take on the, the outsiders and it, it's, you know, I, I was trying to think if I didn't know, would I have bought all that? Because, you know, you get uh, interview segments and stuff where Rick's doing all the talking and Scott's just stood in the background. He's not actually saying anything. Mm. Um, and then they, they walk off and he, he, he does, it's obviously intentional, but he's still looking a bit disengaged uh-huh. from, from the whole thing, uh, which is, you know, pretty cleverly done, the, the way they've, they've set it up and left you guessing. Um, but as I say, yeah, I just wish when I actually was watching this that I didn't know what was about to happen because I, I think I would have enjoyed it a lot more yeah yeah. it's a bit like the dusty turn at the previous pay-per-view yeah um, I didn't know that was going to happen I was quite shocked but I think you'd said that you knew it was coming yeah um, so this is a this is all this is a vehicle to get Scott Steiner from face uh, baby face tag teamer to uh, devious heel NWO eight, yeah. As Hogan would say, so um, we have Rick sort of taking out both outsiders to start us off with, and then he starts running around the ring, and uh, Scott gets in the ring, and they do their sort of pose that they do where Scott goes, uh, sorry, Rick goes underneath him in between Scott's legs, and they they look at the hard camera, but and instead of them posing, Scott then winks at at both Nash and Hall and drops a double axe handle on his brother with a dastardly heel turn. Despicable. <sighs> How could he do that to his brother? He's a dog-faced gremlin, for God's sake. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it was, even even watching it back, I, I enjoyed it. I mean, <laughs> the setup in hindsight, you know, it's, it's all there, it's quite obvious, but... It's. Um, I thought it was pretty well executed. Mm-hmm. I thought um, the fact that even with the winks to you know the the members of the outsiders because of the pose they're in, Rick can't possibly see uh-huh. what Scott's just done, um, which is you know it, it it just allows you to have that disbelief of oh god he didn't what know that was coming just, uh, yeah he's in a really uh, vulnerable position and then um, you know they, they they sort of play on the fact as. The, the rest of the match goes because uh, Rick actually miraculously you know kicks out after an, an, mm-hmm. a, an attack and keeps the match going and they've got um, Scott as actually I think he's gone to the outsider's corner um, as, as Rick's fighting the match and then um, the, there's a moment where Rick's being lifted up and he'd be able to see Scott 
Um, and it's, I think they sort of speculate, you know, Rick could be out of it. He might not even know what's going on or what happened to him mm. and things like that. Um, so they, they were doing everything they could to play up the, you know, the emotion, the the whole brothers side of things. Yep. Um, I think poor Ted DiBiase takes a hit from Scott he as well. Did I. Yeah. He takes a beating, poor Ted. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it, even watching it back. Um, it was this, you, I take it, did you know it was coming? Uh, I think I did, yes. Right. Aye. I still liked it. I still liked the whole the whole thing and, and the fact that it's Nash and Hall and not like Bagwell and, uh-huh. and Conan or something like that gives it um, a much sort of bigger feel as far as where, where Scott Steiner might be going. Yeah. Um, the, the only, I suppose the only sort of regretful thing that I think is where does Rick Steiner now go and, and what does he do? Yeah. Um, like you can see probably the immediate immediate future is going to be trying to get revenge on, on Scott. Mm-hmm. Um, and and we obviously know what happens with Scott Steiner, although I'd, I don't know an awful lot of the story. I, I just know that what he ends up looking like and what he ends up behaving yeah. like and uh, something happens to him that means he can't do maths anymore. But um, <laughs> uh, uh, it's going to be interesting to see where that goes and to see where he fits in within the NW hierarchy and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, like you say, I think it's it's a good thing that they've, with it being Nash and Hall, they kind of immediately elevate him. Mm-hmm. He... he it feels like he's not one of these hangers on. He is one of the, them. yeah, he is one of the key members of of the NWO moving forward. Um, I was I was hearing, apparently they weren't keen Scott and Rick, um, and this was, I think maybe third attempt or something like oh, that. Wow. Um, they 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 just wanted to to stay a team, and I think eventually, they managed to sell Scott on it because. They, they positioned it as where you know you're you're going to be a you know high on the card you're 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 going to be one of the main heels um and eventually went for it i'm not sure um obviously it does feel like it leaves rick in limbo a little mm-hmm. bit cuz like you say i imagine they have a match or two but then where where then for for rick um but it's um it's really interesting thinking about the the sort of Again, the dynamic of the guy that maybe didn't didn't want to turn. I imagine he found his feet, and he, you know, got quite into the idea because the character he became uh, was so over the top and uh, and things like that. So it is funny to think, looking back, he, he didn't really want to do this. Mm. And just jumping forward to the next night on Nitro, um, you see the transformation, pretty much almost already has begun as far as the look of him, he's got the bleach blonde hair, mm-hmm. uh, comes out with sunglasses on and he just looks different, uh, literally looks different Yeah. Um, and he's embraced that, that heel side and it, it, it looks cool I would say <laughs> Yeah. Um, so yeah, again going to be interested to see where that goes I think the whole the fact that uh, Scott Steiner literally hands the tag team belts to the outsiders just Puts the, the the whole yeah just just makes it feel just a bit dirtier. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, it really underlines it. You know, there's um, 
Yeah, he's not only has he done this to his brother, but he's actually he's handed them the titles, uh, uh, literally handed them the titles. Yeah. It's yeah, it's, it's good. I enjoyed the whole storyline, um, and I thought it was well executed. And the only issue, and we've we've mentioned this before, the NWO are already feeling quite bloated. Uh-huh. Um, and I think it's, you know, it's still got a way to go before we, we get to where it ends up. But um, I was listening to a, a podcast from Kevin Sullivan um, and he was talking about the, the NWO and he's obviously heavily involved in the writing and the booking and things like that throughout this, this era. Um, and he was saying that he he hated how bloated it got, but he loved the fact that they put Scott Steiner in because he had been the tag guy and he felt like for him to get up to that level he was the exact right type to put in there with them um, you immediately make a star and you make one that can be in a main event and it, it's basically aligning him with those core NWO guys was all it took Yeah Interesting, are this, this is a weird question but are, are the Steiner brothers legit brothers? Yes Are they? Yeah um, the, I think their surnames are Rick Steiner, Rick Rick Steiner. Oh really? Um, yeah, and so so Rick's uh, full name is almost his surname, um, <laughs> and yeah, they they are legit brothers, and they're you know all their college credentials that were always played up. I think they're all genuine as they're well. Mexican boys, weren't they? Yep. You're not going to tell me that Scott's real name's Big Bad Booty Daddy or anything like that, are you? Mm, no. That would be an odd name. Um, no, his his name is just Scott Richsteiner. Wow. That's, it's a bit underwhelming now after you mentioned that. But yeah. Sorry. Oh, well, <laughs> there you go. Interesting. Um, so we get to our main event. Uh, Sting versus Hollywood to Hulk Hogan for the vacant WCW World Heavyweight Championship. Um, this is this this went this went long much longer than I remember. I think it's the longest match on the card. It is. Yeah. This this was actually the point when I realised. I think I, I messaged you about it. I didn't know until I watched this that Triple H's opening. You know. Let's get ready, sucker. Yeah. I I didn't know that he was basically ripping off my, Michael Buffer because mm. it's basically all the spiel that's said through Triple H says a version of that yeah. in his and I don't know if I just never paid attention to what was being said or whether I just didn't watch enough WCW events to realise it uh, but it, it just clicked the other day when I was watching it and I was thinking I feel a bit stupid now because that, <laughs> sh- that should have been really obvious from the start I didn't realise that Michael Buffer was so heavily involved in WCW I didn't realise that he did, like, you know, the, there's some Nitro matches that he does and stuff. Yeah. Um, I thought they maybe just brought him in as, like, a, an attraction to make a main event sound a lot bigger than what it was. But Yeah, I think he only ever did, um, even though he did TV and stuff like that, I think he only ever did the, the main event announcement. So uh, it was, I'm sure Bischoff said that he felt it elevated the match, having him as the, the, the ring announcer for it. Um, made it seem, gave it that big fight feel, you know, all that kind of thing. Mm. Um, so he would, 
he would deliberately use him quite sparingly. Um, also, apparently, he didn't come cheap, so that's maybe another reason hmm. for, for using him quite sparingly. There you go. Just talking about um, people... The, I don't want to say that. People not coming cheap is what I was going to say, but that sounds <laughs> uh, wrong. But apparently, um, I had read that Bischoff wanted to get Johnny Cochran involved in this pay-per-view. Um, he was obviously part of the team that um, represented O.J. Simpson, I think, uh-huh. in the same year, or the year before, maybe. Right. Um, with this whole Kenny Powers, J.J. Dillon stuff with the the contract and, and whether or not he was coming back, he, he wanted to get Johnny Cochran involved in in okay. Kenny, Kenny Powers what's his name <laughs> Nick Patrick oh god oh, that's, that's going to be a thing for, for the entire rest of this year that's going to be a thing so apparently he wanted to get him involved in that which you know <laughs> I, I don't know how how much that might have elevated things but apparently um, he, he eventually ended up turning it down I, I think it had been a lot of money for WCW to try and get him Okay. Um, and also They'd wanted to get Evander Holyfield to guest ref this match as well. Wow. The Sting Hogan match. Okay. I mean, like, some things that they do are just obvious copies of each other. Yeah. Uh, both WCW and WWF, but getting Evander Holyfield to ref <laughs> this might have just been too far. Too yeah, because I suppose Ho- Tyson would have been on TV. Well, we've seen him, um, but we haven't yet got to Mania, have we? So. No. Um, yeah, they're maybe just trying to. Uh, 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 would there be the same sort of uh, crowd reaction for Evander Holyfield? I don't know. I remember I that... Phoebe was a big fan of Evander Holyfield and Friends. <laughs> wow. When she was pregnant. <laughs> that's, that's some memory you've got there. Was there something about a cardboard cutout yeah, or something that's like it. that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, to me, you know, he was obviously a hugely successful boxer, but yeah, I don't know if he's got that that sort of... Uh, I mean, Tyson is known... We talked about Hogan the same way. He's known beyond boxing. Uh, um, I don't know if Holyfield is, really. Uh, Tyson had that outlaw edge that he... Obviously, the whole point why WWF were able to get him because was because yeah. he wasn't able to box. Yeah. Um, just completely uh, added, added to the whole thing and... So yeah, I don't know either. Although you could have had, um, you could have had Macho Man hitting Hogan with like a, a, a George Foreman grill <laughs> at the end well, of the match. Love it, brilliant. Surprised uh, Bischoff never thought of that. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. I, I would have been totally up for that. That would be great. So uh, anyway, enough <laughs> fantasy booking for us. We've done enough. Um, Hogan v Sting. Um, this, this to me cements Hogan in my mind as like a top, top, top heel. Um, I think I've been a little bit uh, sceptical of some of the stuff that I've seen him doing up to this point, but I just feel the way that he carries himself in this match and, and the way that he's carrying himself on these shows just solidifies him as just being what a top heel should do. Mm-hmm. He... He basically dominates this almost this whole match. He beats down Sting with his weightlifting belt as soon as the match starts. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it, it, it uh, portrays Sting as the underdog the whole match. And we know that the NW are going to get involved at yep. some point. 
Um, but it doesn't come, you know, it, it doesn't really come until right towards the end. Yeah. Um, I got a little bit WrestleMania six uh, deja vu with the whole test of strength stuff between yeah. Hogan and Sting and the the face paint and all that. I quite liked that. Yep. How did you enjoy? How did you? What did you think? Yeah, of? I thought it was a good match. I mean, like you say about uh, Hogan the heel, um, he he wrestles the match as a heel, which is something that I think is quite a common criticism of of nowadays a lot of heels are a heel on the mic and then wrestle a totally clean match, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas Hogan's using his, his weightlifting belt to, to try and get an early advantage. He's mugging to the crowd. Um, I thought I thought he, he did a good job, like you say, of, of selling himself as a heel. Um, and we sort of forget how, you know, how wrong this could have gone because you're talking about the biggest ever babyface in wrestling. And he's he's managed to develop into a, a very effective heel, uh, yeah. which isn't easy. That can't be easy to, to to go through that and change everything. It's probably quite good fun, I would think. <laughs> yeah, I think um, so. But yeah, I, I thought he he did it well. Um, like you say, there's there's um, there's a few things like test of strength and things like that, which are good. That they're, they're kind of of a previous era. That's how they feel. Um, you don't see them in that many matches by by this point in time. Um, there's a point where Hogan's biting Sting as well. You know, really going for the uh, the heel approach. Mm-hmm. Um, they've they've got the the ref bump with uh, I think it's Charles Robinson is the ref oh, in the match, and uh, he he gets sandwiched between the two. I think Hogan maybe pulls him in. I think it's yeah, an intentional yeah. move. Sting um, hits the second Scorpion death drop, doesn't he? Yeah, and then uh, Nick Patrick comes down, um, and I think that's you know everyone's cue to be thinking, oh no, he's he's managed to get involved in the match. Everything before's not been genuine, but then he he mysteriously seems to call the match clean. Um, Hogan hits the the leg drop, Sting kicks out. Patrick uh, had had only done a two count and uh, calls it as a two count. Hogan is furious. I like that. Uh, Hogan yeah. saying, "It's me." <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's almost like the I don't know the wrestling version of "Don't you know who I am?" Yeah, yeah. type thing. Yeah, um, yeah it, 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 it was good, and it implies he did have him in his pocket. But Patrick is now too too focused on keeping his job. Um, the nice nice little twist to the story, I thought. Um, and yeah, actually, I think I think I, I made it outright that he, he tells Hogan to follow the rules. Nice. Uh, follow the rules tonight, or something like that. Like that. Um, you've got uh, Sting kind of doing a, a version of the the, the hulking up. Routine. Yeah, that's weird. Uh, yeah, I, I quite liked it. Um, <laughs> it. It was it was strange because that's I've never really seen. You know, you get people who've had their own version of it. I suppose Warrior had his own version of it uh, with shaking the ropes and things like that. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I th- I'd never seen Sting do anything like that. So I thought that was quite quite nicely done. Um, and then you've got a a couple of stinger splashes. Yeah. Um, Scorpion Death Drop. And uh, the NWO come down, get involved, um, but obviously Savage is still lurking there in the background. Yeah, and so he, uh, he comes out with the NWO, doesn't he? He comes out with yeah. the reserves. 
Yeah. And uh, at some point, at, at the point where Sting tries to hit the Scorpion Death Drop, Hogan boots poor Kenny Powers right in the, <laughs> right in the knackers. Yep. So there goes yeah. his night. Yeah, and um, yeah, that's, I think, the point where the NWO ran down. Now, I don't know what they were... I don't know what was supposed to happen with the finish because Savage looks like he hits Hogan with something and then he puts, it looks like he puts that next to Hogan, whatever the object was. I didn't know if it was supposed to be brass knucks or, or something like that. It's the, sp- uh, the spray paint can. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. Ah, okay. I needed to have my glasses on when that was all <laughs> going on. Um, and then, yeah, you've got uh, Sting with the cover for the three count. Um and then the a little bit of revenge because yeah as you mentioned the, the spray paint um, of Sting spraying WCW on Hogan um, and they have JJ Dillon hand the, the title to Sting um, that's obviously JJ's big payday for the night um, and the so the show goes off air basically with, with Sting holding the title and Hogan laid out in the ring and yeah that caps it off yeah, it was it was good. It was I thought it was a good finish. Um I think, you know, yeah, right here for me, I think you had to put the title on Sting. Um you've you've had the controversy of what what went before. I think uh, I, don't, I honestly don't know what happens title-wise moving forward. But I think it it made sense at the end of this show because NWO have had their thing, you know, they've they've got somebody big, a big name to, to cross over and join them. Um I think it almost felt like and you know the announcers reacted like the WCW side needed something and they've yeah. got their title, yeah. they've got the title back. And um, it felt like a vic- it felt like a not just a, a victory, but it felt bigger than that for WCW. Yeah. Um and you also now are left by thinking, well, so you've got Sting with the belt you've got Hogan who's clearly not going to be pleased with anything that's going down but you know that you've got now an upcoming Hogan Savage natural uh, storyline to, to continue there as well yeah yeah, and I, I think um, if we go on to speak about the Nitro afterwards they do a really good job I feel of getting you excited for what's next to come with Hogan and Savage yeah um, but yeah we can get into that do you, do you, want, to, do you want to take us through the, the Nitro after? Yep, absolutely. Let's go ahead. So, we start with a a video package of a few stars um, who are bemoaning Scott Steiner, uh, what he did to Rick, jump into the NWO. You've got uh, DDP, he's not best pleased. Booker T's not happy. Uh, Ric Flair, not impressed. Bret Hart is furious. He, he, I mean, he, he talks about basically having had this done to him and he's... This is... This is actually a bigger deal for Brett than most people would realise. Nobody is... is hurt more than me, he says. How's that, Brett? <laughs> yeah, uh, shut up, Rick. Stop complaining. <laughs> <laughs> Can't believe you did this to me. <laughs> yeah, so that that was the. I thought that almost felt a bit comedy just because it, it felt so ridiculous. Um, you've got uh, the announcers are, are talking up, they're, they're praising Sting for, for winning the title. Uh, they talk about the, you know, the, the fractures in the NWO. Um, they, they talk about um, Hogan and Savage and all that side of things. Um, you've got 
uh, poor Mean Gene who's backstage and, and <laughs> decides he wants to get all on uh, Rick Steiner's face about uh, what happened the night before but Rick's not really for, for speaking at this stage um, A lot of bags with him Yeah he for, did For somebody that just seems to his only accessory seems to be some sort of gimp colour <laughs> <laughs> We, we've got a, a promo by Luger who's talking about, you know, I think he refers to Rick Steiner as being like a brother mm. to him um, and how, how upset he is with uh, what went on the night before. Also congratulates Sting. And then we've got a, a little bit of Luger and Kurt Henning. Um, so it's, I th- I'm sure we saw th- this pair a bit in WWE, I think, um, in, in the initial run. I think once Luger had cooled off a little bit. Right. Um, I think he, he had some, yes, some matches. Yes, with, that's right. With, I remember um, Perfect was the, the referee at WrestleMania 10, wasn't it? A guest referee. Yeah. yeah. And they had a bit of beef, that's right. Yeah. Um, so a little bit of a, a familiar uh, situation there, but we've got um, Scott Steiner coming down, attacking Luger, beating him down. Um, but Luger seems to, to recover a bit of control. They, they really, they must have been big on Luger because he's never ever made to look weak. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's always comes across as, as very strong. Definitely. Um, NWO come out to, to support their, their new charge. Um, and then we've got Rick coming out to, to support Luger um, and confronting his brother, but then you're, you're sort of reminded by just how many NWO guys there must be because another wave uh, come down mm. and then we see Sting come down from the rafters um, and the the ring actually then fills with WCW talent who are kind of there in support of Sting, Luger and Rick Steiner um, so I think you're you're kind of left with that as there's there are too many people involved you know on, on all <laughs> sides there's there's just too many um, I don't know whether they were trying to show us like whatever NWO I've got WCW can compete with if they all unite you know mm. um, that kind of thing I, th- I think that's maybe the, the sort of direction they were trying to go in there I wasn't quite sure if they were supposed to be there in support of Rick Steiner to say like we've got your back sort of thing but then the commentators yeah. seem to be suggest like they all seem to burst into applause at some point and they're like oh they're congratulating Sting yeah um, <laughs> it was a little bit odd poor Rick he's just forgotten about all over again <laughs> I blame Brett uh, me too Definitely. <laughs> um, we've got uh, a, a match, uh, DDP beating Hammer, um, and uh, Hammer. Yeah, um, Raven's flock with with some involvement in this, but again the Diamond Cutter. It was quite a nice move actually. Uh, diamond Cutter as Hammer came off the ropes, um, kind of RKO out of nowhere mm. uh, type type situation. Um, We've got uh, Raven kind of wanting DDP to himself after the the flock have got involved. He's kind of shoving them out the way, uh, but Benoit comes out to, to even up the numbers and yep. just I think kind of firm up that that dynamic between those two against the flock. Respect. Yep. Um, with <laughs> a situation of Hogan and Bischoff uh, arriving in a limo. There's clearly another person in the limo. Um, they tell him, not yet, not yet. Let's and, leave uh, that till later, says Hogan. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and yeah, let's leave that till later. Um, and then we can talk around what happens there. <laughs> um, we've got uh, another sort of one of these Hogan and Bischoff uh, promos in the ring. Um, Hogan's obviously pretty pretty pissed off with everything that's gone. Um, 
and Savage, I think he's in the crowd, Savage. He is. He's who, in the, the classic shield position. Yeah. Uh, and he's got his own microphone and uh, we are Hogan's basically challenged Savage to a cage match at Uncensored mm-hmm. which I assume is the next pay-per-view yeah. Um, and yeah Savage indicates he's going to be kicking Hogan out of the NWO he, he accepts the match um, so that's on and that it's you know a, a flashback from uh, from many years ago Wrestlemania 5 where it all culminated but um I like Savage and I, I'm alright with seeing him in another programme with Hogan we'll, yeah, we'll, see. We'll, we'll see how it goes really surprised by this that, that, that Macho Man said that he would be kicking Hogan out of the NWO yeah. I did not get the impression that Macho Man was that arsed about being in the NWO yeah. anymore but it was an odd one Yeah, they're changing it into a bit of a power struggle mm-hmm. um, um, again whether that was done on the fly yeah because it, it very much felt like I mean Savage was in the parking lot when the whole NWO came out and attacked him so I don't know why he would feel that if he beats Hogan then he, he takes the head role in the NWO yeah, that's I a don't good know. Point, I'm, I'm not sure he would have the backing of the rest but that's uh, that's that's another story um, especially if Hogan's paying all these fines as well that Nash is yeah, yeah absolutely. better of deep pockets <laughs> um, we've got uh, a couple of matches we've got Ultimo Dragon uh, against Kaz Hayashi yeah. um, and, <laughs> and uh, we've got then Benoit against Raven yeah. um, I, the, the, see in the, the intro when they're walking out you've got Raven coming out first and then Benoit's just kind of strolling out right behind him that was great yeah I Raven. enjoyed that Shout, yeah, shouting on, yeah. Raven doesn't have any music, does he? I uh, don't think there was any playing, um, unless it's something they just don't have the license to play on the network or Maybe. something like that. Uh, um, yeah, I, I enjoyed this. Thought it was um, it was quite hard hitting. Um, <laughs> there was a point right at the start. Benoit throws him into the uh, in the guardrail. Yeah, and Raven just, aye, Raven just goes for it. Yep. Brutal. I think they, they sell that for a while because he made quite the, the dent in the rail. <laughs> right. Uh, and uh, the, uh, there's a, a chair getting used as well in the match. There's Benoit um, hitting the three rolling German suplexes. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the point where uh, Raven kicks out and then Kidman gets involved for, for Benoit to win by DQ. Um, and then when the... The odds are stacked. DDP kind of returns the favour, making the save. Although uh, he takes a punch from Benoit in the in the melee, um, I think it's played off as Benoit didn't know it was him. You know, mm-hmm. uh, assumed it was another flock member. I think uh, because they are left standing in the ring after they've fought off the the others. Do you think um, we're setting up a three way dance here for next? It feels you? like it, and I'll be honest, I'm all right with that. Yeah, me too. Uh, that sounds pretty good to me. Um, I think that you know it. It feels like it. It had enough in the story because there's three parties involved, and uh, everything can't forever stay nicey nicey between DDP and Benoit. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, hopefully it's it's going to go that way. Cause I think that'd be quite a good story. Um, we've got a Jericho match. Uh, he comes out wearing Juventude's uh, <laughs> mask. It's brilliant, um, eh? And says he was. <laughs> he says he was going to wrestle in it. But he can't deny the audience the chance to see his face. 
what selfless champion he is. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, he, it, I think this is maybe the first time I've heard this mentioned, but he suggests they change the name of the show to WCW Monday Monday. Was it just Monday Jericho or was it Monday, Monday Night, Night Jericho? Jericho, I think. Uh, yeah, and he then says that JJ Dillon is eighty three percent convinced <laughs> to let him do it. Class. Um, he he actually he sells quite a bit in this match. He's up against Lenny Lane. Um, wasn't a name that meant a lot to me, um, but he he yeah he, Lenny Lane gets quite a bit of offense in uh, Jericho. Eventually retains with the walls of Jericho. Um, but it, it wasn't a name I was familiar with. No, nah, me neither. I actually looked him up, but um, yeah, I think maybe WCW might be the high point if it's right. career. Um, we've got Vincent coming out for a match. He's a, I had to message you about this because I couldn't believe what was going on. It's, uh, Vincent is actually in a match here, which seems incredible. I mean, there's, there's so many people on the roster, but... <laughs> Vincent is the guy they roll out. It's it's very much a squash against uh, Rick Steiner. He he kind of gets destroyed and and Rick is you know emotional, frustrated, um, doesn't really let it go after. He he keeps attacking Vincent. Um, yeah, they're they're obviously sort of continuing the the story of the situation that Rick finds himself in yep. uh, with everything that happened the night before, um, and he's been able to take out on one NWO member. Um, but the the indication is that he's uh, he's got a lot more anger to, to take age, out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Poor Vincent's a lamb to the slaughter here, isn't he? Yeah. Um, I, I genuinely only remember him having like one match against Ted DiBiase previously. Um, after he'd finally broken away from him. Um, but brilliant. Here boxer. we are. Oh yeah, yeah. Cold never really got. Jamming. Never really got a chance to showcase it here, but <laughs> never mind. Um, we've got Saturn beating no. Yuri Nig- Nagata. No. 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 Okay. Uh, we've got Booker T beating Renegade. The Renegade. Um, you're a big fan of Renegade? No. No? Okay, that's fine. Uh, Booker retains Harlem sidekick. You know, that's not not an awful lot going on there. No. Um We've got Conan and Lismark. Um, I think did did you quite like Conan in this? Yeah, I like Conan. Yeah, I think yeah. It, I like anything he does. He's a wee bit buried in the NWO, but yeah, um, he's playing a role, isn't he? But yeah, I like him in the ring. He's quite a bit different. Um, yeah. quite innovative. So yeah, I'm a fan. He he calls out uh, Juventud Guerrera a bit here um, about the fact he he lost his mask and he's nothing without it, um, and then. Uh, talks about something that I assume was all in, in previous that, that we haven't seen where he says he should have accepted his invite to join the NWO um, when he had the chance because now basically he's, he's, he's not getting another chance um, so I assume that's that's going to build to something somewhere um, there's a tag match here yes, yes. See and it. V- vicious and delicious <laughs> <laughs> so that's uh, Buff Bagwell and uh, Scott Norton. Is it, Scott this Norton? is the first time they've ever been referred to as this, is it not? I think so. Scott they, Norton's never been delicious in his life. Are you sure maybe he's, he's not vicious? Maybe he's vicious, yeah. actually. Um, and then, um, yeah. Uh, who did they beat? High Voltage? Uh, high Voltage. Um, do, you, do you know what these guys are called? High Voltage? Kenny Chaos and Robbie Rage. Like, how... How generic is that? Sorry, guys. 
Um, yeah, I, I do find Bagwell very watchable. There's, there's something about he's got something. Um, Charismatic. Yeah, and uh, I've written, I'll try to remember in my mind how this went down, but I've written that he jumps off the turnbuckle into a suplex. Ah, because um, Scott Norton's got the one of high voltage up on his shoulders. Um, or is it just lifted up? I can't remember exactly how it's done. But it reminded me of the old uh, traditional tag finishes. You know, you had the doomsday device yep. um, where one comes off the rope delivering a move. And you had, there was one the Heart Foundation used to do where I think Brett lifted up the guy and uh, Anvil came off the, the ropes with like a flying clothesline type yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, it kind of reminded me of like a, you know, they've, they've looked at those and added something of their own onto that that sort of style. And I quite like that because, you know, tag tag teams should have some sort of coordinated tag finish. Yeah, um, totally. Totally so, agree. Um, so yeah, but it was a, a bit of a squash, really. Yeah. I've got the Norton suplex two guys at once as well. Oh, that um, sounds vicious. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, we've got Eddie Guerrero defeating Disco Inferno. Bit random, that one, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Especially after that, Disco's big win against La Parca. Yeah, I don't know where Guerrero is here, because they, they sort of underline on the announcers how big a win that is for him. Oh, really? Um, so I assume he's he's kind of just uh, slumming it down the card mm. um, but yeah it's uh, Eddie Guerrero's always fairly entertaining yep. to watch um, we've got a, a Gigi Dillon segment you know your favourite awesome um, he, he talks about the fact it was he who made the decision to send Nick Patrick to the ring was it uh, though Gigi well, did Roddy well. Piper buzz you first <laughs> Uh, he says that because of that he can confirm without any doubt it is official Sting is world champion there's no controversy about this the end basically um, Nick Patrick comes out uh, Kenny Power style um, and shakes the hand of J.J. Dillon goes to officiate the uh, a Ric Flair against Brad Armstrong <laughs> your next match. assignment's in the ring he says Dill. yeah quite um, I, I find it a little bit odd that they're they're using Flair in a match like this on TV. I don't know if that, that felt a bit strange to me. I, I think in my mind he'd moved on to being special attraction style by this era. So I can um, answer that I can answer that question for you, Adam. Okay. So apparently uh, who are the company TBS or or is it TNT? Yeah. Um, I think TBS are the network and TNT is one of the channels basically. So um, TBS basically their executives were certainly uh, very much of the mind that Nitro comes first, then Thunder, then pay-per-view. Um, okay. People will buy the pay-per-views, but what they want is ratings. So use all your stars on the TV show, particularly Nitro. Um, and if you don't use like a Flair on pay-per-view, then you're probably saving yourself money from having to pay them. Okay. So that's why Flair, you're more likely to see them on likes of this than you were to see him on the pay-per-view and obviously him and both him and Bret Hart um, I believe that's the same reason Yeah because I, I found it a little bit odd that Bret wasn't on the show as well, the mm -hmm. pay-per-view show um, Yeah okay um, I, I don't agree with it but I can see the logic now at least so that's fine um, Did you think the, the Armstrong curse might have might have um, finished, might have ended here? 
No. Okay. No. Um, we've got uh, an interview package yes. next with the giant. Yes, um, that's right. So the we've we've seen so many replays of the the moment where Nash tried to kill the giant <laughs> with a with a giant knife. Uh, so he gets invited to the ring by Mean Gene. Uh, he's wearing a neck brace. He's 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 selling this. Um, talks about knowing the risks as a pro wrestler, but says that Nash intentionally tried to break his neck, uh, but he failed. Um, and although the doctors have told the giant he may never wrestle again, um, he he will be back and he'll be coming back for Nash. Uh, he wants a match with Nash and he wants the ban on the jackknife to be lifted because he doesn't want Nash to have any excuses. So I think he's, I don't know if he's not been watching the fact that Hogan's paying all the fines anyway, um, so he's just been using it every week, uh, but apparently he wants the ban lifted. So the indication seems to be that he'll be back sooner rather than later. Um, in real timeline, I, I don't know when they actually go ahead with a, a return match for him, but can't imagine it's too long away. No, I don't know either. Um, uh, this was a fairly decent pro. I feel like um, with the giant here, he's, he's quite generic and uh, they're keeping him very much in a box of big sort of attraction. Um, mm-hmm. This was just missing a kind of Chewbacca, Wookiee scream <laughs> at the end of it, but um, <laughs> we, we get to see how uh, a real promo is done next, don't we? Well, are we talking uh, Brian Adams? We are. Here? Yes. Is that is that what you thought I was going on to previously? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that that's what I was going to say. Quite excited. Uh, yeah. Right. So, um, Brian Adams is going to get interviewed by Mean Gene. Um, now, who was it? Brian Adams played. Who were his characters before? Was he Crush? Yeah, Crush. And was he? Some was he called Chronic? Or am I making? Possibly. Um, he was Crush anyway. Eh? Yeah, so um, we we kind of knew him as a mid carder, really. Um, cool, Hawaiian dude. He's he's now affiliated with the NWOB squad. So um, <laughs> Min Jean asks why he's affiliated with them, and you know what possible issue he could have with with Bret Hart. Um, he says he joined the NWO because they are elite. They are the measuring stick. Um, he kind of fumbles his way through this a bit. He is not a natural on the mic. Um, it's not great, this. Uh, basically calls out Brett. Um, hold on, and then... hold on, Adam. Hold on, you're underselling it. <laughs> Brett Hart, let me tell you what would happen if we... No, wait, even better. Let me tell you what wouldn't happen. First of all... I wouldn't be knocked off my feet because you're not good enough. And in kicks Bret Hart's music and Brian, the relief on Brian Adams's face. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's intense. It's really bad. Um, they should never let him have the mic again. No. Um, let let Kurt Henning speak for him. Let yeah. Rick Rude speak for him someday. Yeah. Uh, just uh, anyone, anyone, because they seem to be in a trio mm-hmm. within the NWO banner. So, yeah, those two guys can both talk a bit. Let them do it. Um, so uh, you get a bit of a physical altercation starting with Adams initially overpowering Bret Hart. Bret ends up on top, applies the sharpshooter. Um, we've got Kurt Henning coming out uh, to attack Bret. We've got Ric Flair making the save. Um, 
I think we, you know, we've we've had some interaction between Flair and Brett previously. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels a little forced. It's kind of felt a little forced all the way along. Um, but we've Flair then cuts a promo. Um, I think you know, giving Brett props about actually being the the, the best there is, um, best there ever will be. All that. Um, you mentioned to me previously that you're right about this. Brett's kind of no selling it. He completely no sells it. He doesn't. He doesn't give anything back either. Um, yeah, Brett instead uh, challenges Kurt Henning to a match uncensored. Um, I, I'm absolutely fine with that. They've had some pretty good matches over the years. I do imagine, you know, Kurt Henning. He's probably struggling a bit physically by this mm-hmm. stage. Uh, I think he's had a couple of retirements already, but um, I'm still, you know, I'm quite intrigued to see how a match between them will play out. Uh, I've no doubt there'll be interference of some kind. Um, so so far, then we're talking uncensored. We're talking Hogan Savage in a steel cage and perfect v Bret Hart. How good is that? Yep. Um, and they they are both matches that intrigue me. Ah, so me too. That 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 is, I suppose the the whole point. Although it doesn't sound like it is, but traditionally the point is you sell your pay per view on TV. Um, and they're doing even though this will be early, because it'll still be a few weeks away. They're doing a pretty good job of selling it to me so far. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we've got a match, um, kind of. We've got Sting v Scott Hall title match. Uh, we've got the the weird sort of scene of the NWO come out but not Hall um, mm. and Bischoff has the mic talks about Hall deserving a shot if Sting comes out alone the NWO will leave um, the the other Sting makes an appearance now I remember this being a thing I remember hearing about this being a thing um, but I think it's it's all in the past the fact that there was another Sting who was NWO and this is the first time he'd been seen for yeah, a while. This was like Halloween Havoc ninety six or something like that. There was a fake right. sting. I think. Yeah. I think that's right. Um so yeah, an appearance by the, the, the fake sting, but this fake sting is uh, Scott Hall. Um and they attack the real sting. Um Savage comes down, enters the ring, tries to fight the whole of the NWO but gets beat down. Um, they mentioned, so I think we're, we're back now to the guy in the limo who yes. wasn't coming out, who is standing in the corner. You messaged me earlier saying who who was that guy? I replied saying, I've no idea. And then unfortunately you came back telling me who it was. So I don't know if you just want to break the news to everyone about who it was. So there was a very massive looking gentleman gets in the ring whilst all this chaos is, is going on um, so I quickly googled some random words Nitro, February 98, who, who was this so apparently someone called the Disciple um, and I'd noticed Hogan was threading the word Disciple into some of his promos, I don't know if you noticed I uh, didn't but now that you've said it, yeah so this is apparent. So this guy's got on. He's got a beard. He's got long hair. He's got on the Hollywood Hogan bandana and sunglasses. This is apparently Brutus the Barber Beefcake. So, yeah, I don't remember him being that physically imposing. Maybe yeah. when somebody's running about with a pair of garden shears <laughs> in their hands, then you don't really notice how big they are. <laughs> I do. I do remember. I think at the time, you know, peak uh, Brutus Beefcake. 
I think he was big, but he wasn't, you know, huge because some some of the guys are absolutely massive. Mm. Um, I think you know he, he would have stood out compared to the normal sized guys, but he he wouldn't stand out stand next to Hogan or something like that mm. uh, or or Warrior. But yeah, he looked huge here. Um, they didn't. It was really weird. They 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 know the commentary team no sold it. There was no sort of he didn't do anything. Yeah, he just stood in the corner. Stood in the ring. I, I, and it actually went through my mind of, you know, sometimes the the announcers don't know or don't want to know what's coming, so they can react, you know, uh, the, in a in a natural way yeah. to what they see. Yeah. Um, maybe they were looking, thinking, "Who is that guy?" <laughs> so, so <laughs> no idea who that is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's maybe somebody shouting in their ear, "It's Bruce!" <laughs> like, is it? <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah, it, it, it came across really weird because they built it and then they didn't even mention him by name or, or and he didn't get physically involved in anything. Um, strange. It was odd, so, but maybe we'll build to something between now and uncensored. Yeah, I'm just worried that that thing we're going to build to is Brutus, the Barber Beefcake matches. Um, maybe we could have... <laughs> oh, I was going to say maybe we could have him against Rick Martel, but unfortunately Rick Martel will, will not be on our... Yeah. I, I think this is maybe career over for Rick Martell. I've got a funny feeling he's done. Yeah, so yeah. so he does this to his knee and then he's out for ages and he comes back and has one match and he has a career ender in that oh. match. <laughs> oh. You feel bad about what, what you what you were saying all about his ass in the last <laughs> last podcast now. See, I've, I've heard him mentioned in podcasts as... Because there's only a few guys that they talk about like this as somebody who has no interest in getting back in mm-hmm. uh, like in any kind of role he's he's done he has a new life he's uh, managed to you know I think in a healthy way move on right um, just like Brutus the Barber Beefcake <laughs> <laughs> but they, uh, they they said that apparently like even things like the Hall of Fame he's, he's had a call and asked and he's like I'm just not really that interested. Um, so, yeah, he, he must just be really happily away from it all now. Um, I, he would never, obviously, at the age he would be now, he'd have, I would assume, no place being in the ring again. But it's odd that you don't get that many people that sort of shy away from invites to come back mm. and, you know, even just get in the ring and speak or, you know, just do something and maybe take a, a Hall of Fame place. But it just sounded like he's he's moved on. Um, I think it was Bruce Pritchard and he was saying he does think he'll go in eventually he's just he's not not that interested right now interesting um, uh, so we we don't end up getting the actual title match the Sting v Scott Hall title match um, we get the they start spray painting Savage um, Luger comes out the NWO scramble um, and yeah it it felt like it kind of felt to me like second TV show in a row. Um, the sort of main event match didn't take place. It didn't really happen, I. Yeah, but um, even with all that, I'd, I actually really enjoyed what we saw because a few weeks ago when we did our first WCW show, I really struggled to get into it. Um, I just didn't think it was good. I didn't find it very watchable. Um, there wasn't an awful lot that was grabbing me. This, these three shows that we've watched, I've now got an appetite for it because I, I generally, not every element, but I generally enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. Feel the exact same. 
And if if we were to say we're going to go and watch Uncensored as the next one, then I'd be well up for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're not. <laughs> we're not. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it'll build. They'll build the appetite for it. Hopefully. Yep. Um, I've just clicked on the Wikipedia page, and I regret doing that now. But you know, <laughs> these things happen in life. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, WCW living up to its 83 week winning uh, billing I think with this yeah. pay-per-view and, and this showcase Yeah, agreed um, it, I think we mentioned earlier, stars you know, they've got so many stars they've also got a lot of workers underneath that and it feels here like the mix is really good Um They've got enough other stories that are interesting enough to keep people engaged. Uh, if you're feeling that the NWO stuff's becoming a little bit stale, um, there's there's still plenty there's other things, things going on. Uh, totally. Yeah. Awesome. So um, I'm really surprised we've went this long talking about this show. It was a, I mean, we've went just about as long as the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so just just to quickly kind of. Uh, think about where we're going to next in episode 16 we're getting our uh, our first uh, our first taste of Extreme awesome. um, we've got ECW's first pay-per-view of the year uh, 1st of March Living Dangerously 1998 yep um, which yeah I don't know if you want to go through the matches or if you just want to wait till the next episode Um. I think I've got it up in front of me, um, and rather than sort of talk through everything, just some things that uh, that sort of jump out in terms of the stars we'll get to see. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got uh, RVD uh, on the card. We've got Dudley Boys. Um, we've got Tommy Dreamer, uh, Bam Bam Bigelow, yeah, Taz. Bam Bam v Taz sounds fun. Yep, uh, we've got Sabu. We've got the Sandman, you know. There's there's quite a lot here, um, and then uh, we've got. I, I kind of Shane Douglas is one of these guys that intrigues me because it seems like he was absolutely huge in ECW, yep. like for for a while the star, but he he just it didn't ever even get close to happening anywhere else. Yep. It's um, it's strange, uh, but yeah, quite intrigued to see him as well. So, I think there's uh, there's a few interesting looking matches, and I'm really looking forward to going back and watching some uh, ECW stuff because I've I've seen a few of the pay per views, but when we sort of tried to look at and get into storylines, I I will definitely have only seen them in isolation. I won't have really known what was going on. Yeah, same. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. I'm I'm, I'm really intrigued by the tag team name of the Hardcore Chair Swinging Freaks. Yeah. Um, Paul Mahoney and Axel Rotten, I like that. Yeah, uh, it's, I suppose it's just uh, does what it says on the tin type situation. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Excellent, looking forward to that. I mean, we've got some episodes of ECW Hardcore TV to, to bookend that, um, that pay-per-view as well, so that's going to be interesting to watch. Yep, definitely. Looking forward to it. Awesome. Well... Uh, have you watched WCW Super Brawl 8? Did you enjoy it as much as we did? Are you a Steve McMichaels fan? <laughs> Please don't message us and let us know why. We don't care. <laughs> uh, hit us up on Instagram at Outlaws Pod. We've given up with Twitter because it's full of whining bitches. 
um, but you can you can catch us on Instagram. You've you've gone full like I, I feel like you've just gone Scott Steiner like you you just went heel and uh, it's it's blindsided everyone like just, over the uh, top. If, yeah, I I feel like uh, I could have been Rick just in the pose <laughs> on the mat, and then I've just been double axe handled <laughs> on the back. <laughs> I would bleach my hair if I had enough to bleach, but I need to think a different way of doing that. Then maybe next week I'll, or next time I could wear some sort of chain mail on my head. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, hit us up on Instagram, and uh, we shall see you for episode sixteen where we get extreme until then Adam it's been a nice chatting and I'll speak to you for the next episode cool speak to you soon cheers <laughs>